Hello and welcome to our Evolving Cities is Retail and Leisure Regeneration, the Key to Inclusive Cities podcast. I'm Phil Moran, the partner in the Retail and Leisure team within TLT's Real Estate Group, and I'm joined today by Rachel Sherratt, who's an associate from the Project and Development team at JLL, and who is also last year's chairman of Women in Property in the Southwest. Well, morning, Rachel, and um, good to speak to you today. Hi, Phil. Thanks for inviting me on. Looking forward to sharing some insights with you. Great. Well, hopefully with with restrictions now easing and our city starting to to come back to life again, um, can you tell me a bit about what JLL, uh, what changes are being predicted for our our post-pandemic cities once people um, start to return in greater numbers? Sure. Yes. So, We're obviously seeing cities coming back to life with the easing of lockdown restrictions, which is great. Um, This is just the evolving of our cities. This is what they do. It's okay. the last year hasn't been normal, but we are expecting the cities to continue to evolve. And part of our roles is all going to be seeing what's coming up in the future. We've been seeing a huge change in the life sciences sector. It's grown exponentially. Now, this is particularly good news for London, Oxford and Cambridge, but doesn't necessarily apply everywhere else. There's been a lot of activity going on in the market and potential future of retail sector. Now, we're expecting to see over 80,000 retail units becoming obsolete for the market to reach a balance. But that doesn't mean it's the end. There is still a future for this sector. And it's certainly something we're seeing will be a key part of our cities moving forwards. Yes. And, and as you say, it will be how that 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 retail sector evolves. And the, and the big question for the city centres will, will continue to be, I think, what kind of uses take, will take the place of, of that vacant space, which we've seen. Um, and, and again, how the, there isn't really a one-size-fits-all solution to that problem. And the, the city centre development and regeneration we've seen has obviously differed according to, to demographics, the, the outlook and the priorities of, of different regional authorities, and of course, the needs of, of particular communities. Um, and where are we seeing the biggest changes taking place? There's, there's been a lot of activity, as I say, particularly within the regional city centres, hasn't there? Absolutely. In the city centres in particular, we've seen a real mix of both startups and big name retail. We've also seen some really unusual deals that we wouldn't have thought of a couple of years ago. Um, names like Screwfix taking city centre sites. We've obviously had big announcements like Debenhams announcing the closure of their stores, we sold the Debenhams actually to, um, in Gloucester on behalf of Aviva to the University of Gloucester. It's going to become city centre learning and student experience areas. We've had decked car parks that have been sold and being reused for industrial and logistics. We've had M&S in Marble Arch in London announcing that they're going to have a mixture of retail and offices. There's a huge amount of variety coming on, and particularly with department stores, which are massive footprints, there's a great opportunity there, isn't there? Phil, are you seeing this with department stores, that the future is really wide and varied? Absolutely, and I think, as you say, with the the, the size of those kind of stores, typically it's it's how private landlords and local authorities have have tried to repurpose them uh, to create, you know, a mix of uses and, and a coherent sort of overall destination for them. 
um, and the, and, in terms of what we've seen, whether it's residential offices or, in some cases, educational or, or health facilities, that, that that's really been the theme. Um, also, what we have seen, of course, over the past few years and expect to continue over the next 12 months at least is the, the role of leisure uses in that repurposing of department stores in particular, um, but aside from department stores, also as the, the anchors and the, the core tenants for larger mixed-use schemes in, in city centres. Um, and often that, that sort of kind of larger brownfield development is, as I say, being driven by a whole mix of leisure uses and many larger format leisure operators such as cinemas, bowling alleys, etc., are now seeing the opportunity to take large floor plates in town and city centres, which, you know, otherwise just wouldn't have been available to them in, in recent years, pre-pandemic. And in relation to, to department stores, again, specifically, we've seen that um, in a number of cases, they're being incorporating um, concepts such as attractions, venues, hotels, and, and of course, ancillary F&B and traditional bars and restaurants to, to drive that um, sort of ground floor footfall. And I think in, in terms of new leisure developments, a lot, a lot of it, of course, has been driven by the growth of food markets over the past few years, which was sort of, I, th I think, kick-started by uh, towns such as um, Altrincham in Greater Manchester, by way of example, but it has now become a staple of a lot of city centre developments, such as Temple Kitchens in Leeds, Baltic Market in Liverpool. Um, and whereas I think initially those were... Um, all following a similar theme of sort of independent, smaller food operators around a sort of um, um, a family uh, food and drink only kind of concept. They're now tending to evolve into wider entertainment venues, such as I'm thinking specifically Escape to Freight Island in Manchester, uh, Digbeth Arena and the wider sort of custard factory development in Birmingham where local authorities are, are sort of using them as a springboard for, for wider regeneration as, as new communities grow up around those kind of venues. Um, and I think more widely in the regional city centres, we've also seen a, a real growth, of course, in the, the overall number of different operators and concepts that have emerged and a real shift away uh, from the traditional dominance of, of, of big chains. And again, we, we expect to, that to continue and, and landlords, of course, are very much shifting their expectations as to what constitutes a go good covenant um, and are instead very keen to just to drive footfall to bigger development schemes by incorporating those, those fresher brands, really. So are you seeing the same kind of changes going on in smaller towns and cities as in the, the big six regional cities? The smaller towns are going to need a different pull. They're going to have to offer more diverse uses and solutions. Residential in particular is something that we're going to see coming in more and more. This isn't just houses, but a range of types. Build to rent is a key sector too that we're going to see growing. This has got to be part of retail and leisure. It still comes back to that point about this is about the experience. Um, commuter areas in particular, we see will have great opportunities. We're expecting to see continued need for working from home, but also people wanting to go in, work with others, co-working spaces, offices, to be able to meet up as well in our cities and towns. 
So it's going to be these commuter regions, but needing to have communities around them. That's absolutely essential. This is why councils can step in as well. They need to ensure that they're driving regeneration and growth. They can review leases they hold, consider other methods and policies that they can implement to facilitate this, because we do still need a support for the businesses, particularly in those regional cities and the smaller towns. There's been a lot in the press about issues that we're encountering. Um, On that vein, Phil, tenants not paying rent, that's clearly a big issue that um, we're hearing a lot about. Are you seeing that uh, happening a lot as well? Absolutely. I think in the the past 12, 18 months, um, there's been a real sort of um, collaboration, I think, in, in most cases, I would say, between landlords and tenants as to how um, the parties deal with with the sort of rental costs and the um, fact that tenants haven't been able to trade. So we are seeing turnover rent leases in, in, in retail and leisure sectors becoming more and more common uh, as tenants are trying to de-risk property investments. Although what we've not yet really seen in certainly in any great numbers are fully turnover rent based leases uh, and usually the model still is for a for a guaranteed base rent with a with a turnover top up um, what we have seen of course across the board in retail and leisure are operators and tenants uh, agreeing rental concession deals with landlords as i say uh, to try and preserve cash flow and offset some of the the pandemic related losses that they've incurred over the past 12 18 months um, there's been uh, a more frequent switch, I would say, to monthly rents, um, whether that's limited to the duration of the pandemic period in some cases, but also there's been a permanent switch for the lifetime of the lease, again, with tenants' cash flow in mind, just trying to, to preserve that liquidity. We're also seeing um, large numbers of rent deferrals um, and and also tenants offering to um extend their lease, lease terms to get to try and give the landlord in return some some sort of comfort for a for a rent concession and some return value um obviously we've we've also seen quite a significant number of restructures over the past 12 18 months i think probably not to the same extent that many were predicting but they have happened and i think in those cases uh cvas principally we've seen a lot of retail measured tenants extricating themselves from from their more onerous leases um, but in terms generally of, of, of tenants um, trying to exit leases whilst we have seen it in the as i say in the restructure context through cbas etc in some cases we've actually seen the reverse so where tenants and landlords are uh, discussing concession deals we've seen a lot of tenants trying to sell or, or delete their break clauses in return for rent deferrals rent waivers and things like that so I think uh, the history books will, will show, I think, that our, our towns and cities will evolve and will survive. But what longer term changes are JLL expecting for them? Thanks, Phil. So we're expecting regional cities will likely experience more demands, particularly in the north and the Midlands. These areas have positioned themselves very well with high profile mayors and policymakers. And with the continued flexibility of where you can work, we think there's real opportunities here with the right investment to be able to deliver really thriving cities. 
the other thing that we're really seeing is healthy buildings and sustainability. As every kilogram of carbon used is going to become much more scrutinized every year we get closer to 2050, these type of commitments are going to become pressurized all, all sectors and all um, areas of the property life cycle. It's going to become something that we're seeing employees starting to ask. We think that councils can really do a brilliant job here if they can start factoring in sustainability a lot more into policy, into bids. But it's going to have to be something that everyone thinks about and looks at. We've done research into the value of commercial real estate in relation to sustainability, and we've seen that you can achieve rental premiums of around 10%. So this is something that really all investors should be taking really seriously and looking at. Particularly in light of the pandemic, your focus on health and well-being has become really key. And it's not just buildings. It's about your route to work, where you go at lunchtime, after work. It's, it's those spaces between buildings as well. And that's something I think will really deliver change for the future of our cities. Spaces, buildings, all of the areas, green spaces in particular. Um, Phil, are you seeing the similar thing in the, in the cities that you're working in? Yes, very much so, I think. And that, that, that sort of focus on well-being and sustainability more generally, I think, links in in particular in the context of the bigger regional city centres where we've seen the, the continued focus really on placemaking, as you say, and the, the creation of, of whole new districts within regional cities, which have, again, incorporated a, a whole range of alternative uses to create one sort of overall destination for residents and visitors. So to give one example in Manchester, we've seen the development of campus, which incorporates the conversion of uh, a number of old mill buildings for residential development. And that's supported by a whole range of independent uh, F&B uses, um, lifestyle purposes, uh, gyms, etc., um, And also significant public realm investment, as you say, creating that that viable space between buildings just to really try and create that sense of a new independent space within the, the wider city centre. So, yeah, absolutely, that's 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 a theme we've, we've also seen. Um, well, to sum up then, just thank you very much, Rachel, for your, for your very useful insight this morning and also thank you to those listening for, for joining us. And we look forward to seeing you at our live webinar on the 24th of June. Thanks, Phil. Thanks.